Thank you for joining us today for worship. Today's message will conclude the series, Life Lessons from Elijah. We come to 2 Kings chapter 2 today, verses 1 through 18. And we're told in these verses that before the Lord was going to carry Elijah up into heaven in the whirlwind, that Elijah and Elijah were traveling together and they were there in a place called Gilgal. And Elijah said to Elisha, The Lord has told me to go to Bethel. Remain here as I go. Elisha said to his master, As surely as the Lord lives and you live, I will never depart from you. And so they made their way to Bethel. And when they arrived at Bethel, um, we're told in the scriptures that some of the sons of the prophets approached Elisha and said to Elisha, Did you know that the Lord is going to take your master Elijah away from you today? Elisha said to them, Yes, I know this. Remain quiet. There in Bethel, Elijah said to Elisha, The Lord has told me to go to Jericho. Stay here as I go to Jericho. Yet Elisha said to his master, As surely as the Lord lives and as you live, I will not leave you. So there Elijah and Elisha went from Bethel to Jericho. When they arrived at Jericho, again the sons of the prophets there in Jericho came to Elisha and they said to Elisha the same question that the sons of the prophets said to him there in Bethel. They said, did you know that the Lord is going to take your master Elijah from you this very day? Elisha said, yes, I know this. Remain quiet. Then Elijah spoke again to Elisha and and said, The Lord has told me to leave here and go to the Jordan River. Remain here where you are, Elisha, and I'm going to go to the Jordan River. But Elisha said, As surely as the Lord lives and as you live, I will never leave you. So the two of them went together to the very bank of the Jordan River. Now, some of those sons of the prophets left Jericho and stood at a distance there watching both Elijah and Elisha there at the banks of the Jordan River. And there Elisha took his, Elijah took his cloak, his mantle, and he folded it up and he struck the water with it and the water parted and Elijah and Elisha walked across the Jordan River on dry ground. As they came to the other side, with the sons of the prophets still watching from a distance all that was happening, Elijah asked Elisha this question. He said, before I am taken away from you, what is it that you would ask of me? Elisha said to him, permit, please, let it be that I might receive a double portion of your spirit. Elijah said, what you've asked is a difficult thing, but if you see me when I'm taken away, then your request will be granted. But if you don't see me when I'm taken up, then it won't be. The two of them kept walking along and talking, Elijah and Elisha. And then all of a sudden, chariots of fire 
and horses of fire then came in between the two of them, separating them. And then a mighty whirlwind came and took Elijah up into heaven. And Elisha saw what took place. And Elisha cried out, My father, my father, the chariots and horsemen of Israel. And then Elijah was gone from Elisha's sight. Elisha tore his garments. But then Elisha took there the mantle, the cloak, the very garment of Elijah. And he took that there to the Jordan River. And he struck the water and said, Where is the Lord, the God of Elijah? And the waters parted. And then Elisha walked back across the Jordan River on dry ground. The sons of the prophets saw this take place and they said to each other, Look, the spirit of Elijah rests upon Elisha. They came to Elisha and when they got there, they, they bowed low to the ground. And then they had a conversation. They said to Elisha, there are 50 of our most able men that we'd like to send to try to find the, where Elijah might be. For the Spirit of the Lord may have taken him and placed him on top of some mountain or he may be in some valley. And Elijah said, no. Elisha said, no, it's not necessary for you to search for him. But they persisted and they persisted. And finally, Elisha gave in to their request. And those 50 men went and looked for Elijah for three whole days. They didn't find him. They came back to Elisha and they gave him that report. And Elisha said to them, didn't I tell you not to go? This is the word of God. Second Kings chapter 2 verses 1 through 18. I've skipped ahead a few chapters from our sermon last week. Some things have taken place in between the moment in time when Elijah called Elisha to follow him. When Elijah basically handpicked Elisha to be his successor. Some things have taken place between those chapters in the Bible. Some years have passed that Elijah and Elisha have been together as prophet and future prophet of Israel. There are some questions that you might have about this passage. I want to seek to answer those questions first and then leave you with some lessons that you can apply to your life. First question you might have from this passage is this. Who are the sons of the prophets? Who are the sons of the prophets? Now some translations refer to them as the group of the prophets. That's the New Living Translation. The NIV refers to them as the company of the prophets. And those are good translations because sons of the prophets can also be referring to some kind of guild, some kind of group of people. These are unnamed prophets that we find throughout the Old Testament. We find them in the book of Samuel and we find them the most actually with Elisha from this point on. Who are they? Well, we have no record of anything that they've ever prophesied or written down from God. But they clearly were prophets. They could hear from God and see His truth. And they perceived from the Lord 
the very day that Elijah was going to be taken away from Elisha. And keep in mind that it wasn't just the sons of the prophets in one city that knew this. No, the sons of the prophets both in Jericho and in Bethel were revealed. God revealed to both of them the same truth that Elijah would be taken away from Elisha. They're basically unnamed prophets that God spoke to, that God used. They were some of those 7,000 people in all of Israel who had not bowed down yet to worship Baal. Why does Elijah in the story keep telling Elisha to stay where he is and not go with him? You see, Elijah was testing Elisha to see if he'd be faithful to go with him until the very end. He was his master. Elisha was his disciple. He gave him instruction to stay put that he would go on. But just like we find in the book of Ruth, when Naomi tells her daughter-in-law, Ruth, go back to Moab, find a husband for yourself after her own husband had passed away. Yet Ruth said, no, wherever you go, Naomi, I'm going to go. Where you stay, I'm going to stay. Your God's going to be my God. Elisha was committed to stay close to his master, Elijah, until the very end. But perhaps the biggest question you might have about this passage is, what is this double portion stuff that Elisha is asking Elijah about? It's tempting to think that maybe Elisha is asking for some kind of double portion of the blessing of God. And that's how this passage is often applied today in modern Christianity. But to know what he's talking about, we have to go back to the book of Deuteronomy. In Deuteronomy 21 verse 7, we read that the double portion was given by the father as an inheritance to the eldest son. This was his right as the firstborn son. It's not ironic then that Elisha says to Elijah as he's going into heaven on that chariot, on that whirlwind. What does he say to him? My father, my father. You see, Elisha was his spiritual son and he wanted the full inheritance of Elijah. But more than that, he wanted the very power of Elijah. There were plenty of prophets that we find throughout the Old Testament. Not all of them do quite the signs and wonders that Elijah is able to do. In fact, that's the part of the question, I believe, that Elijah says, what you're asking is, is difficult to answer. And he was going to let the Lord answer that part of it. The fact is, would Elisha have the very same spirit of his master? Would he have the ability by God to do great miracles? The answer is yes. We find Elisha do many miracles in his ministry. He did receive that same anointing that his master had. I want to leave you now with three life lessons from this passage that we can apply to our lives. And here's the first one. Number one, the true strength of any nation is the people of God. The true strength of any nation is the people of God. When we look back at the passage in 2 Kings chapter 2, verses 11 through 12, I'm going to read that for you now once again. The Bible says this in the ESV translation. And as they went on and talked, behold, chariots of fire and horses of fire separated the two of them. And Elijah went up by a whirlwind into heaven. And Elisha saw it and he cried, my father, my father, the chariots of Israel and its horsemen. And he saw him no more. Now I have to say, I've read this story quite a few times. 
past few years of ministry. But I never really noticed exactly what those words meant that Elisha said. He cries out, my father, my father. Then he says something about the chariots and horsemen of Israel. And my assumption of quickly reading through this passage always just assumed that he was talking about those chariots that were there from heaven, those chariots of fire, those horsemen that were taking him back up into heaven. But if you look at the context and you look at the actual words he was saying, my father, my father, in the same sentence. No, he was saying, Elijah, Elijah is... The chariots and horsemen of Israel. And we know this because we come to the very end of Elisha's life later in 2 Kings. And Josiah says to him, the chariots and horsemen of Israel. Now, Elisha is not taken up like Elijah is. Only Enoch was taken up in the Old Testament and walked with God like Elijah was. Yet the fact that Elisha refers to Elijah as the chariots and horsemen of Israel means that Elisha believed the very strength of the nation of Israel was found in Elijah himself. I'll never forget the first time I saw B-1 bomber fly overhead. I think it was at a big, big fireworks show every year that's done in Louisville, Kentucky when I was in seminary. It could have been as well at maybe a sporting event, but, but just to see that incredible craft just fly overhead and I thought to myself every time I see one fly overhead I'm really glad that I'm not having to go against that incredible machine of war you see in their culture in the ancient Near East chariots and horsemen that was the biggest sign of strength that any nation could ever have if your army had chariots and horsemen, they were feared by every other army. It was a sign of strength. It was a sign of victory, a sign of power. And here Elisha is saying, the chariots and horsemen of Israel is gone. Israel has lost its power because it's lost the great man of God. The great man of God who called down fire from heaven and challenged those prophets of Baal. The great man of God who prayed and God sent rain. You see, the strength of any nation is found in the people of God. The Bible says that Elijah was a man just like us in James chapter 5. He was a man just like us. And so we know from this passage that Elijah's strength was found in the Lord and the Lord alone. What does the Bible say elsewhere about the strength that we find in the Lord? Well, it says in Zechariah 4, 6, Not by might nor by my power, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. It's not by might. It's not by power. It's by the spirit, says the Lord of hosts. Zechariah 4, 6. Elijah's strength came from the Lord of hosts. His strength came from the Lord God. He served. He was a vessel. He was filled with the power of God. It was the spirit, that spirit that Elijah had, that Elisha desperately longed to have in his life. It was the spirit of God, the anointing of God. As the main prophet of Israel, he was the very mouthpiece of God. When Elijah spoke, he spoke on behalf of God. The Bible tells us in 2 Chronicles 16.9 that the eyes of the Lord move to and fro throughout the earth that He may strongly support those whose heart is completely His. God wants to strongly support the person whose heart is completely His. He wants to give us His power, His strength. 
And he's given us that in the person of the Holy Spirit. The strength of any nation is not its military might. The strength of any nation is found in the very people of God who put their hope and their trust in God because the Lord God is the Lord God Almighty. Second truth I want to share with you from this passage is this. Elijah and Elisha are connected to Moses and Joshua. And they, like all of the Old Testament, point forward to Jesus Christ. Elijah and Elisha, they're connected to Moses and Joshua. And they, like all the rest of the Old Testament, point to Jesus Christ. Now, there's some cities mentioned in this passage. Bethel's mentioned, Jericho and Gilgal. Those are the same cities that Joshua and the Israelites came into when they entered into the promised land. There's an obvious link here between Joshua and these prophets Elijah and Elisha because what happens? Elijah and Elisha leave the promised land by parting the Jordan River. Joshua and the Israelites enter the promised land by how? The Lord parting the Jordan River. Just as Moses had the staff of God in his hand, and did great signs and wonders in the name of the Lord, just as Moses used the power of God to cross that Red Sea and lead Israel out of Egypt into freedom and to walk on dry ground. He had that staff. Elijah had his mantle. He had his cloak and he struck that water with his cloak. And so we see a connection between Elijah and Moses, Elisha and Joshua. Who was the lead prophet? Moses. Who was his successor? Joshua. Who was the lead prophet? Elijah. Who was his successor? Elisha. There's a connection. Just as Joshua went across the Jordan River, Elisha as well goes back across the Jordan River, back into the promised land, parting it with the power of God. We see this connection continue throughout the New Testament. Moses and Elijah. We see on the Mount of Transfiguration when the Lord brings up there on that mountain with him, Peter, James, and John, his inner circle. And there on the Mount of Transfiguration, the Lord Jesus Christ is transfigured before their eyes. He is seen as, as having the glory of God come upon him. His face shines like the sun. His garments are as white as the very light itself. And who there appears with Jesus on the Mount of Transfiguration? Peter, James, and John see Moses and Elijah and they're talking to Jesus. What happens? Well, Peter, Peter always says something. Peter says, Lord, it's good that we're here. Let us build shelters both for you and for Moses and Elijah. And the Lord doesn't even respond to Peter. In fact, God, the Father, speaks out of heaven. This is my beloved son. Listen to him. Then Moses and Elijah disappear and it's just Jesus and Peter, James and John. But the connection goes beyond just the cities. Just seeing Elijah and Elisha and Moses and Joshua and Moses and Elijah there with Jesus on the Mount of Transfiguration. There's great significance in the threefold repetition in this passage. Three times Elijah says to Elisha, the Lord's leading me to this place. Stay here. And what does Elijah say? Elisha says to his master, as the Lord lives, I'm not going to stay here. I'm going to go with you. Three times the Lord Jesus Christ is tempted by Satan before he begins his ministry. Jesus tells Peter, you will deny me three times that you know me. On three separate occasions, Jesus tells his disciples that the Son of Man 
is going to be handed over to the hands of sinful men, but then he'll be raised up on the third day. Three times the Gospels tell us that Jesus said this. There in the Garden of Gethsemane, the very hours before he would go to the cross, Jesus tells his disciples three times, could you not stay awake and keep watch with me? And there after the resurrection in John 21, what does Jesus say to Peter? Peter, do you love me? Peter, do you love me? Peter, do you love me? Three times. Coincidence? No. A threefold repetition is a divine pattern that links Elijah and Elisha to Jesus and the Gospels. And don't forget this. Do not forget Zechariah. Oh, Zechariah there in Luke chapter 1. He's told there in the temple that he would have a son, he and his wife Elizabeth, who was barren. That his name was going to be John. And the angel Gabriel tells him that he would go before the Lord, John would, in the spirit and power of Elijah. In fact, when John the Baptist is born and when he begins his public ministry, before the Lord Jesus Christ begins his public ministry, Elijah is wearing the very same garments, the same wardrobe that Elijah wore. And he preached that fiery message in the wilderness just as Elijah preached that message. Oh, the connections to Jesus are so here in this passage. All the Old Testament is pointing forward to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. But the last truth I want to leave you with, and it's this. Number three, Elijah made a mark in this world and he left an incredible legacy. Elijah made a mark in this world and he left for us an incredible legacy. I've so much enjoyed preaching through the life of Elijah these past few weeks. What a legacy he's left for us. And on this Memorial Day weekend, as we remember the legacy left for us by brave men and women who gave the ultimate sacrifice that we might live in freedom in these United States of America. As we think about that, let's think about the legacy that Elijah has left for us. The greatest legacy that he's left for us. The miracles were powerful, yes. The great things that he did. But he left a disciple. He left someone that he mentored. And his spirit lived on through Elisha. The greatest legacy we can leave in this, plan, in this world is that we might raise up people who come after us, disciples of Jesus Christ. You may not have any children. You may not have any grandchildren. You may not think, how, how can I leave a legacy? Oh, we, we have no indication in the, in the Bible that Elijah was married. We know of no children that he has. But he left a legacy. The same for the Apostle Paul. He left a legacy by raising up young Timothy. We see the pattern of discipleship all throughout the Bible. That's the greatest legacy that we could leave. Oh, pastor, you're talking about Elijah. He was the, one of the greatest prophets of all. But the Bible says in James 5, he was a man just like us. He was flesh and bone. He was weak. We see the mountaintop experience for him and the valley for Elijah. And God still used him. And he's left a legacy. And we're still talking about Elijah thousands years later. You can leave a legacy by the grace of God. You can make this world better by pointing people to Jesus. The longer I live and the more funerals that I officiate, I realize the truth of this statement that's been said in a poem, only one life which will soon be passed 
Only what's done for Christ will last. When all is said and done, when you've left this world, what will be said about you? What will be said about me? Will it be said that we loved people? Will it be said that we loved Jesus? Will it be said that we gave sacrificially that the next generation of disciples might be stronger than we were? As we see Elisha, we see him go forward in power. We see many things in Elisha's life that are stronger than even in Elijah's life. And that's the way it should be with the disciples that we make. Would you pray with me? God, we thank you for the life lessons that we've learned from Elijah. And God, we thank you for the legacy that's been left for us by him. And we thank you, God, for the freedom we have as a nation. I pray this weekend that we'll pause tomorrow, especially on Memorial Day, that we'll think about those wonderful, committed, brave soldiers who gave the ultimate sacrifice that we might have the freedom that we so often take for granted. Lord, help us not take that freedom for granted. God, make our lives count. We want to leave a legacy that generations to come would know the Lord Jesus Christ through our witness, through our lives. God, I pray that you would do in and through us the same things you did in and through Elijah and Elisha. Your word tells us that you look all throughout the earth to strongly support that person whose heart is completely yours. God, let our hearts be completely yours. Jesus, thank you that everything in this Bible points to you. Thank you for the connections we find with Elijah and Elisha, the amazing truths, the threefold repetition, God. We thank you that your word is so beautiful. God, help us now to leave a legacy. Help us to make others know Jesus by how we live, by what we say, by what we do. And God, help us to honor you with our hearts. And may we never forget that the true strength of any church, the true strength of any family, the true strength of any nation is found in the people of God. Let us be the people of God whose hearts are completely yours and support us with your strength. Fill us with your spirit. Use us to do great things for you that generations to come might know and see and believe that there truly is God. His name is Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, for loving us, for saving us, for giving us your word that we can learn from together. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.